0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuckeristas? What the Tuckians? Had a couple of what, what the Tuckians at my shows in Bloomington over the weekend, as you can probably tell by the slight difference in sound quality. I am broadcasting from a hotel room. I am still in Bloomington, Indiana. I've been here many times before. I enjoy it, I walk the blocks, I eat the food, I take it in, I operate at the pace of Indiana. And also the shows were fucking great. The Comedy Attic here in Bloomington is a great comedy room. And I know that's been said before, but it's it's interesting to to work, to find a room. This place seats about 160, it's tight, uh, and everybody's right on top of each other in a way. It's snug. Uh, right there in front of you as a comic. It's a, a great one-mind room. I'm working out the new hour and a half, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. All the shows were just uh, exciting. All the shows were a little bit different. The audiences were great. It's just a real treat to do real club work in a real comedy club. People traveled from Ohio, from Chicago, from Kentucky, from uh, where, where did I meet people from? From Yeah, from Dayton, from Louisville, from Cincinnati. From Chicago and uh, Indianapolis, of course, uh, Dakota, South Dakota. I think people came in from, and it, you know, it's very humbling for me. And I, I appreciate you traveling to see me, if I might not be coming to your immediate market or nearby. But I'll tell you, man, it's it's worth the trip. It's still, I think, as a person who knows me pretty well, I think it's a it's a good uh, a good investment of time to come see me in a little place because I have a better time. I had complete freedom of mind uh, over the weekend and uh, I was definitely very present. But anyways, I had some good food here in Bloomington. I, I ate some biscuits and gravy and I had some good coffee and I worked with uh, uh, Mo Mitchell who's a young comedian and she was great, it was nice. Roseanne Barr is on the show today. I'd like to preface that by saying that this was uh, recorded before either convention. She probably would have been uh, a, a little more worked up had it been done, say, today. But I really didn't want to focus on that with Roseanne. Roseanne's one of the great comics, and she's one of the great comic performers. And uh, she's had an amazing career as a comedian. She's important. She's an important comic, and I wanted to talk about that. So that was you know, my agenda. That was my agenda. So you're dying to hear some hotel room observations. Observation number one, the chair at a hotel room desk has been through a lot. When you see a a hotel room chair, just know that some stuff has gone down and that chair has cradled a lot of dubious behavior, questionable moral activity that happens between a man and his computer and his dick. That is the triad. That is the triangle of of sadness right there the mind the computer the dick so just know that that when you sit down at a in a hotel room desk chair that you are in the 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 masturbatory throne of god knows how many people Unfortunately, I had that realization uh, while sitting on it naked. I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't doing that, but I was just checking my email. But I was naked and there was no towel between my ass and the seat. And then I thought, you know, they probably don't clean these seats that well. What the fuck am I doing? What am I doing? I mean, what? I don't know if anything's going to crawl up my ass, but I, I still, it was just a, a, an uncomfortable moment. It was an awkward moment because I respected the journey of the chair, and 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 now I was part of it, and I didn't want to be part of it. So I'm okay. I showered. The other observation I made that I thought was sort of um, interesting and 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 positive in a way, uh, and uh, uh, it gave me a, a respect for uh, a new respect for for some uh, working people is that. Um, there's a maid staff at every hotel. There's a cleaning staff. I see the women in the hallway. Well, this this to me was sort of beautiful and and required some wisdom and some sensitivity and some experience of uh, of uh, you know a, a somewhat dark sort. I um well. I, I eat my nicotine lozenges, and these nicotine lozenges they break apart sometimes, and they like if I break one, it'll it'll crumble a little bit. And I had some uh, some nicotine lozenge crumble on the bedside table, be be right by where I slept, and and I looked at. It. I woke up in the morning and I looked at the nicotine lozenge crumble, the powder, the white powder, the little chunks, and I'm like, holy shit, that looks like blow. I've had my time with blow. I know what cocaine looks like, and I'm like, that does look like blow. Kind of funny kind of nostalgic. I didn't, I didn't get, uh, get Jonesy, but I, I was like, I remember, you know, but, uh, so I went about my day and, uh, I came back and the room had been cleaned, but the, the little pile of white powder and, and little crumbles of rocks of white, uh, remained. Now, I'm going to give the maid the benefit of the doubt and say that uh, she made a choice there. That wasn't an oversight. She said, oh, I don't want don't to wipe that up. That guy's probably looking forward to that. He's probably looking forward to that bump when he gets back and he gets ready to take the throne. So I appreciate your sensitivity, uh, uh, hotel cleaning staff of America, that even though it was not what you thought it was, it's very polite of you to leave a little freeze on the bedroom table or on the desk don't, don't wipe away uh, that, that little bump that that guy or that gal is looking forward to later in the afternoon or for breakfast the next day. Thank you for doing that. And that's coming from a guy that doesn't do that shit anymore. Did I mention Roseanne Barr is on the show today? She is. And it was a, it was a pleasure spending time with her. She's very intense. She can uh, go way out there if, if she wants. But uh, I felt uh, I felt Nice felt nice to interact with her, to be engaged with the great Roseanne Barr, great comedian. Now, look, you, you know, I've been it's been hard for me to stay out of it. It's been hard for me to stay out of uh, the cultural conversation, the political conversation. And I'm I'm not great at it because I'm, I'm reactive and, and you know, I get angry. And, and, and like anybody else, I uh, transfer my own personal problems onto the struggle at hand some ideological problems but some just personal righteous anger and I get worked up I get worked up you know what can I tell you it's just the way I am and I and I connect with the insanity it, it had a weird moment just 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 moments ago where I was I was you know just walking down the street to this place called Hopscotch Coffee which is, you know, a little, little ways away. Nice walk. Brought my running shoes. They didn't do any running, but we did some walking. It's very hot. It's a little, little humid. It's a little pressure cookery out here in the, in the great America. And I walked by a woman over by the Kroger Market. Uh, must have been in her 40s or 50s. Just screaming into a phone. Just, just screaming into the phone and it, it was it was you know you feel the intensity man you know there's she was just yelling you know i don't want any of it i don't want you shooting me up with anything it was a it was an odd fragment to pick up it was a heartbreaking fragment but it was intense it was it was loud it was too loud and it was uh, whatever it was revealing was dark and I went to get my coffee, and I got my cup of coffee, and I came out, and I heard that woman screaming. I heard her voice still screaming, and then I realized that she was holding a phone. I don't know what kind of phone or how old that phone was, but she wasn't on the phone. She was just screaming, and the phone was a, a prop for her anger, for whatever intensity that was inside of her, for whatever broke this person. The The phone was an outlet that enabled her to, to yell freely in public uh, with the... Uh, not very effective illusion that she was on a phone and when when I got out and I, I saw her across the way and I was watching her I couldn't keep my eyes off her day. She was yelling what you have can't be medicated. You need to go to prison Dude, you push me out of my house. You shoot people up and then cut their hair dude And she kept walking and it it took everything I had I, I my desire Was to continue to follow her and listen I wanted to hear more of the crazy dark stuff from the, from the lady who had problems but was venting, was venting freely in, in, in her fantasy world, in her mental illness. I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I, I, I gravitate towards that type of intensity, towards that type of insanity. And, and then I started thinking about where we're at you know, politically because there's some times, there's some moments – where I don't understand, I don't understand. I, I understand how people feel that there's a lesser of two evils, that neither choice is good or whatever, but sometimes I don't understand what compels people to gravitate towards somebody. You know, I can mention names, I can mention Donald Trump's name. I, I don't understand the intelligence of it, the rationale. I understand if you don't like the other candidate, no candidates are perfect. I get all that. I, I understand if you don't like the system. I understand that maybe you think America has caused your problems, that maybe America is to blame. I got a couple of questions about that. I mean, have you really gone deep? How much of your problems can you really blame on America? What's going on at home? What's going on inside? What's going on with with your luck or your, your personal problems? Now, I'm not, I'm not rationalizing anything and, and I'm not trivializing anyone's issues, but sometimes I, I don't understand. I have done some reading. I know that there's an epidemic of addiction, painkiller addiction, oxycodone addiction in this country that it's striking primarily white lower class people who are angry and desperate and and, uh, and have given up hope that the the country is, is shifting and leaving them behind. I, I understand and I can be empathetic with that anger and it's a tragedy that the mortality rate among that group of people, white males specifically, in terms of ODing, liver disease, and drug-related uh, tragedy, is very high. Uh, from what I understand, it's at uh, it's almost at wartime levels. The mortality rate because of um, painkiller addiction. It's a tragedy that that's happening. It's a tragedy that that spirit has been so crushed, and that there there is so much desperation and so much uh, giving up. And, and, I, and, and I empathize with that. I understand the nature of addiction, and I understand the current of that horrible anger and sadness and, and, and desperation and just lack of hope, and I understand why somebody would shoot up. I understand why somebody would relieve themselves on an involuntary, almost choiceless basis to relieve that, to just, to, to just feel the release of floating into the freedom of of a medication of a drug that alleviates that desperation that anger that hopelessness and you just float but what is the opposite of that how does that get relieved how do you relieve that in the world of being present how do you relieve that desperation that anger that hopelessness and what is that relief does is that relief rational or is it not unlike drug addiction is it a rational, thoughtful, reflective relief? Henry Rollins what once called track marks hateful little holes in one of his books of poetry. Hateful little holes. And I remembered that because that's what it is. When you do that, when you jack yourself, when you stick a needle in your arm or you take a pill, there is that, there's two things happening. It's like, I'm gonna feel better and I'm, I fucking hate me. I hate me. I hate me. And then you take it and you float so when i think about the appeal of 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 donald trump i think about the opposite of that you know how do you relieve that those feelings in the real world among people how do you relieve it because i can't understand intellectually what the decision is to vote for a man like that look if you don't want to vote. Fine, I suggest you vote. If you don't want to, if you don't like Hillary, fine. Wh- whatever you got to do, I'm just dealing with this one thing. What is it? Why vote for Trump? What is the defense? The defense, here's why people vote for Trump. Fuck it. Fuck it all. That's, that's got to be the rationale. It's a fuck it all vote. And when you say, why are you voting for Trump? The answer is fuck you. So it's fuck it all, fuck you. That should be the, can- the campaign slogan, in a way, because it is, it is the counterpart. It is the the perfect counterpart to an opioid high. What's compelling about engaging with his vision is it's a rush. It's a rush of shameless hate. It's a hit of arrogant ignorance. It's the satisfaction in moments of empty victory. It is just the nihilistic intensity of potential chaotic upheaval and destruction. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. There's no foresight. There's no vision of the future. There isn't. It it is just, it's, it's the possible annihilation of all progress with no real plan. It's the elation from the fantasy of complete moral bankruptcy. It's the possibility, and I believe this, and I know some of you people who are my fans and who listen to this show are conservatives, you're Republicans, and you know in your heart this isn't the guy. You know it. You may not like her, and that might be driving you, and I get that. But what it is, what is really at the heart of people that are passionate about Trump winning is it is the possibility of evil winning. And I'm not talking about winning an election, but I'm talking about the eternal struggle. And maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but I don't, I don't think Trump is Hitler at all. I think he's fucking Satan. And I know you rational conservatives and you rational Republicans, I know you know And I know that you are banking on the idea that, you know, he will be schooled, he will be harnessed, he will be held hostage in the Oval Office, and it will be okay. I know it. And I know a lot of people, a lot of intelligent people, men specifically. I know, I know, I know. It's hard, man. You just want to see that woman lose. It's hard for a lot of men who are secretly infantile, who feel gypped, who have issues with their mommies or their daddies. It's, you know, when you watch a woman with authority speak with authority, deliver uh, a, a strong leadership vibe, a grounded person, for a dude, sometimes there's only one way to take that in, and that is, oh, I hate this teacher. Oh, she's so mean, this teacher. I wish a substitute was here. Remember that guy? Grow up. That's all the righteousness that may come out of me for this cycle. We'll see. Don't get alienated. Just let me have my feelings. Okay. Can you do that? Can you? So Roseanne Barr has a documentary out about her run for president in 2012, and it's great. It's really a, 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 great, a, a great little doc. It was fun to watch. It's called Roseanne for President. Uh, it's now in select theaters and available on most on-demand platforms. And um, as I said before, I was nervous because I respect Roseanne Barr, and, and we had a nice conversation uh, primarily about comedy. I'm trying to build a new hour myself, and I had it. It's hard. Right? I had a fucking dream last night that I bombed outdoors <laughs> in Ireland. I don't know why it was Ireland, but there was... You
1: were h- thinking of that Scotland festival, I bet.
0: I, I, you're probably right. Yeah. I bombed there for a month.
1: Did you do that Edinburgh? Yeah. And you bombed?
0: Well, yeah, I didn't know what it was. I was there <laughs> for a month, and you know... A and, and month? I, yeah, you go for a month, and no one was coming, and there was like nine people... It was like doing it. Was like doing the original room at at one thirty.
1: Oh Christ! <laughs> for a month.
0: Yeah. I
1: bet mo- you wrote some material though, right? Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You get angry and you write the material.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I watched a movie last night, and I got to tell you, I was, uh, you know, I was like kind of, I, I was surprisingly moved and at touched. my movie. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's it good. is good. Thank he, you. What, what, what I found interesting about it was that. When somebody wants to do what they have every right to do, you, you know, but is, is really sort of out of the mainstream to run for office or get a platform or, or make a difference, it's a very human looking. Do you know? Like, I mean, you're going to rooms full of people that are angry and sort of, you know, different types of people. But it doesn't look. It looks like people trying to do something. Yeah, right? like, they it, are.
1: That's why it says at the end of the movie: if you if you really want to build a third party, then get in there and help them build it. They have no infrastructure, and that's the only reason that they don't win.
0: Yeah, but it was it was it was, and there was a lot of stuff I didn't know about you uh, that that I because I my my knowledge i the last time i talked to you we were in a winnebago you were yeah running. you yeah. came
1: to my studio
0: and uh now
1: you're a star and i have to go to your fucking studio no, just it's just
0: easier here it's a nice house like it's cozy in here this is, is i it guess is, it's and a thanks studio. for the
1: cantaloupe i'm starving isn't that nice you're nice it's a good one does
0: it, it, it it's it's the time does it remind you of childhood? My grandmother used to make melon balls. Yeah, like my grandmother used too. Really? The melon balls They were so good, yeah. It's like a Jew thing, I think. It is a Jew An thing. Old With Jew- sherbet
1: on top. Yeah. Orange sherbet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember? Yeah, I do remember. Mm. That and brisket. I remember. Brisket. hmm but I like I knew you kind of because I was a doorman at the comedy store, but it was after you. But we, I know you started there. Like you get once you're part of that weird mythology of the comedy store. You well, just I didn't assume.
1: start there. Started in Colorado, right? But but uh, you ended up there. Yeah, show business. I started at the comedy store for sure.
0: Did you have you gone to see Mitzi since she's been sick?
1: No, no, I haven't, and I I feel horrible. I got to do it.
0: Well, she's like she's not, you know, she's barely there. I mean, I've been told that she can still kind of recognize, oh, but like she she's not communicative, you know, she's gone. It's it's you know it's it's so it's kind of
1: Last time I saw her, I was screaming at her, you know. You were. Yeah. (laughs) About what? You have a disease. Oh. And she didn't accept it.
0: Oh, you knew she she had the Parkinson's,
1: and she goes, "No, I'm just nervous." Oh. I go, "No, you have a degenerate." disease and that's why you're shaking you're not fucking shaking because you're fucking nervous
0: yeah and no, she, she just wouldn't accept it. gonna
1: go mm-mm.
0: yeah well i think paulie goes over there a lot and you know certain people Polly's go over great. there a lot argus mm-hmm. i think visits and that's you know. sweet
1: he that's sweet that he would do that. Well, yeah,
0: you know, I've, I've talked to some of the old-timers in here, to, like, Jimmy Walker and, you know, and people. Wow. Yeah, about, like, Mike Binder I had mm-hmm. in here. Because I, I sort of, like, I get sort of uh, obsessed with the comedy store.
1: Yeah, I do, too. You do, right? Oh, yeah, because I was there for some real amazing shit
0: i know right
1: the most amazing shit in the world happened there it's crazy i wonder if it still does i went there i have to say it did because i went in there on this one night and um they got like african-american yeah uh in the main room in, they do a
0: black show yeah yeah, from, yeah. what's
1: it called it's tuesday
0: yeah i used to i don't know what shit, they call it I don't remember it's that. all right but they still do a, a black show sometimes in there yeah That shit
1: is unreal. It's like 14 times next level. It's amazing. It's just amazing. People had to go down there and look. And uh, they were kind enough to allow me to um, smoke a lot of pot with them. Uh And they had some good shit. And then they let me come up on stage and dance, which I love. (laughs) Yeah? And, uh, you know. Did
0: you do any stand-up?
1: No, I was I was like I wanted to stand up, but they're like, no, don't push it, because people don't want to hear any white women up there tonight. <laughs> you had your time. <laughs> Shut up. Well, but they let me dance, and I, that was really for people
0: happy to They're see you. They're
1: putting music and rap oh, yeah. and shit in their act. It, it's unreal. They
0: have a DJ on stage. It's
1: unfucking real. It's well, the best it really, thing I've seen in twenty years.
0: I felt the same way. It was just last week. I was in the OR, mm-hmm. and it was just like a regular OR show. And then down the main room was a black show, and it was like <laughs> going to a different city. It was in, like. It was excited. Mm-hmm. It was interactive. You know, mm-hmm. people, I, it was just a, a whole different experience, and it was right down the hall. It was hall. the
1: old comedy store. That's what I thought. Really? Because you remember, oh, you weren't there then.
0: I was, I was there in 87, 88. Oh.
1: That's when I was there.
0: Mm, I just missed you. Oh. I was a doorman. It was when Sam got big. I was remember right... that.
1: <laughs> weren't you and him out in the parking lot with fucking blow, snort and blow with Probably. guns and shit? No, and that, that the kicked guns out of came li- later. Oh yeah! I just missed. I the was guns. like, "Fuck them guys!" Got guns out there. This I lost a my mind gangster. and left. This is like Ceros again.
0: Yeah, it was a little weird. Mm-hmm. I missed but all that. But it's
1: the zeros ghosts that are there. That that's why the Comedy Store was so exciting. Yeah, because got all those Ceros. It's got a haunted press. thing it to it. It's totally haunted. It was like this. especially the main room, right?
0: Yeah. But, like, now it's weird. It's all electric again. It's packed out again. Like, it's, like, popular again. It went through a yeah. period where, where it wasn't, and now it's, like, huge.
1: It's, comedy's going to get so fucking big. That's why I want Trump to win, because it's going to fucking rock comedy. <laughs> but
0: you don't really want him to win.
1: It'll fucking make comedy bigger than anything. Well, yeah, we'll have It'll something to make fun
0: of, but, you know, I mean.
1: I it... need a fucking job. <laughs> Come on, Trump's good for the economy. <laughs> for
0: for your economy? If
1: Hillary's the fucking president, nobody's going to be able to tell any goddamn jokes. Everybody will be like, I am offended by that.
0: <laughs> Fuck that. But but don't you think that there's more power in being offensive when uh, it's actually a, a little more uh, thought of uh, as bad?
1: Yeah, because I was up in, um, oh Christ, I don't remember the name. Was it Seattle or yeah. Portland? No, yeah, it Portland, Portland? Yeah, Portland, yeah. And it's right after the Hollywood Reporter. Thanks a lot, Hollywood Reporter. I did a great interview with them. So they always have to do that headline for clickbait. Yeah. And it goes, Bar says we'd be lucky to have Trump.
0: Yeah, right, right.
1: And I was so fucking irate. And, uh, you, you, know, you, you know, so they, they tried that. to boycott my Portland show because all they do is fucking read a headline. For You know, it yeah. destroys people, this yeah. headline. They didn't click on it and see why I said what I said. It was out of context and everything else. That's what they do. I said, Clinton owns the media. She's going to win. Uh, don't fucking worry about it. She already has the fucking receipt. Uh-huh. Don't worry about Trump. It was all theater.
0: Uh-huh.
1: She's going to win. Uh-huh. My opening act, which I can't remember her name, she's a great comic, but she's like, people were pressuring her not to open for me. Oh, I'm based on a headline. Because they th- thought I like came out for Trump. That's unbelievable. I said, I'm falling for my fucking self. I've only said it 10 million times. I'm writing myself in until I fucking win. Because <laughs> I know I'm not full of shit and a liar, and I, I know I care, and yeah. I know I can't be bought, so right. I don't know that about them two or any of them.
0: Well, I think that's another thing when when I was watching the documentary that you start to realize about your history is that, you know, you know how to push back. You fought for, for everything you had. And that like, you know, some people, uh, it's like, well, Trump's a clown mm-hmm. and, and certainly he's got experience in being a, a slippery, slightly immoral businessman and I'll a, do. a functioning racist. Don't fucking that's just get
1: right. one guy to come on. That's no, the no, Republican that's right.
0: Party. I get that. Yeah.
1: And they always work that racist angle since what's his name Forever. in those fucking commercials yeah. with the Willie Horton. Horton. It's not just Trump. Trump no, no, is yeah. the most liberal person who's ever run a GOP.
0: I know. That's a, what, He's more a,
1: progressive than Hillary they're on so many things. It's just how they're fucking with our minds
0: well he shouldn't inflate such uh, a moronic hatred and uh, i've never seen it inflated like he's doing it i've never seen somebody this you just know, where accidentally you're looking. retweet uh, uh, a star of david from a nazi website that was not a
1: fucking star of david listen i accidentally retweeted Tra- uh zimmerman's address and got sued for it uh-huh. i got sued and yeah. i had to go to court Thank God I won Yeah. just because I was like uh, are retweeting anything that Spike Lee put out there. And I look at me going to fucking court because I retweeted. That cost me a lot of money. Uh, so, yeah, don't retweet shit. But, so but that was not a Star of David. The Star of David, sir, you should know this. Are you a Jew? Yeah. With that face, I thought so. Yeah. Is two interlocking blue triangles. I know, I
0: know that. I know. So,
1: you know, I, I just, it's just theater
0: but you come from holocaust survivors of course like i mean so like you're you. right but i didn't i didn't grow up with it in mm. that way that your your grandmother was actually got out yeah and that
1: she and her two sisters got out
0: yeah and what and what happened to the rest of what's the story she, she had
1: worked a, she was 16 she worked and sent money home yeah she had 10 brothers and sisters and two parents and uh, four grandparents yeah. And uh the money came back this is how my mom tells it money the letter came back, no known no such people known to exist. That Holt and my mom. they called the Red Cross and the Red Cross says, Oh, that city that town doesn't exist anymore. It was called Ab- Aborniki, Lithuania and they said, Oh, that town doesn't even exist anymore. There's nothing left of that town And they had had a big farm and they were farmers yeah. and uh they were they raised uh, horses and that's how they made their money. They they sold workhorses. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it was all which gone. That's
1: another story. The whole thing's gone, and they had been marched fourteen miles from their home, and put in a pit and shot and buried alive, most of them. And uh, it's like okay, and that that affected my grandmother.
0: And uh, and
1: she had been a performer before that. Oh yeah. And at that point, she never did it again what
0: kind of performer
1: she sang she played the mandolin and sang rudy valley songs at bar mitzvahs and stuff (laughs) she had a lovely soprano voice though
0: yeah and that was a story you grew up hearing or did you hear that later like the story about her family and everything
1: i didn't hear it till later but i grew up uh i grew up in an apartment house there in salt lake city utah with my grandparents had sponsored a bunch of people survivors over from uh concentration camps germany or poland mm-hmm. and stuff and uh so this big apartment building which my mother still owns it was full of survivors and people with numbers on their arms and stuff and that's where i grew up so hence my humor yeah <laughs> how did they end up in salt lake i mean my what... grandparents sponsored them
0: but no how how did your family end up in salt lake of all places
1: um my grandfather was uh there was a small Jewish community yeah. there of fifty families, merchants yeah. lived with Greek people, you Right, know, right. Yeah. They sure. had the, they sold they had restaurants, import and exports stuff. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And my family had always done that. And so they always lived with Greeks and um, Chinese people, you uh-huh. know, so that's what it was. Uh-huh. And um,
0: So were they there before the Mormons came?
1: They went there in, I think, the mid 1800s.
0: So probably, I don't know when that history lines up, but it's probably around the same time. So they were there a long time.
1: Yeah, they were there a long time. I think they came in the 1880s. Uh-huh. They came in, you know, how there was first the 1880s, a whole bunch of people came from Europe. I think they were right. in that group,
0: and that's I think a lot of Jews ended up right. in the Midwest too, like in Minneapolis. Yeah, first was,
1: they went to Kansas City. That right, was like you know that big Jewish population, um, and then from Kansas City they. You know? Yeah. They uh, If you Thread ever out. read, like, Western history of Utah, yeah. a lot of the uh, cowboys and stuff, they were Jewish, and they yeah. were black, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's a big Jewish presence in, in Utah for, you know, way, way back. And you had
0: to balance it with the Mormon presence?
1: Well, I was just going to say my grandfather was a kosher butcher, and he was that's why he was in Salt Lake, was to serve that community.
0: Right, right, yeah. And what about, how did you get along with the Mormon contingent?
1: Um. Well, they were our neighbors and stuff, yeah. and, uh, you know, as long as you were just like them, it was great.
0: So you, <laughs> you had to act a little Mormon?
1: Well, you you know, you had to get along with them. They right. thought I was a, um, honestly, they really thought I was a freak. Yeah. They knew I was Jewish, because I always, uh, you know, everybody knew that, but they didn't really know what it meant. Like every Christmas, they'd always bring us Christmas presents. You know, yeah. S- they felt sorry for us because we didn't have Christmas. You know, they were sweet. <laughs> and I asked my dad, too, how come Santa doesn't come to our house? Yeah. Just the neighbors right? <laughs> with presents. How does he know? Here's what my dad said. He was so fucking funny. He goes, because Santa is an anti-Semite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they were your de- your grandpa your grandmother was socialist or were they like old jewish socialists?
1: my one grandmother my mother's mother is completely like a nixon republican
0: right uh-huh for so, the you know mm-hmm. for
1: the business she had a thick lithuanian which i can't do but it was like for the business woman
0: oh right you know the <laughs> yeah. business
1: what they help but the business woman uh-huh my favorite thing she ever said. She used to kosher. Her, they were butchers. Yeah. So she used to kosher her own chickens. Yeah. And some. And her she'd son kill had. Them? Yeah. Uh-huh. She do it and kosher them. Yeah. The reverend Drain would come them. over. You're right. Yeah, yeah. She they she'd be cutting their throat in the backyard, and I'd watch the body run with no head on it, and the reverend was the rabbi. Sc- yeah. yeah, it was called the reverend there in Salt Lake. Oh, really? Because there was a, the cantor also was the reverend. No kidding. Because there was like a lot of army people there. They have a reverend. They don't call it a oh, rabbi. okay, okay. So, yeah, he'd be squeezing the blood out of the head and and, and she's, built, whatever.
0: Praying? Yeah. Doing the prayer?
1: But then she explained it like this. You cut the yogler wine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You caught you must caught the yogler Wayne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was all freaky. It was like a farm. I, yeah. I kind of had a farmish. A lot of farmers have that background. And you
0: have a farm. Do you still oh, have I've it? I've
1: always farmed. Yeah, I have my farm. Yeah, yeah, I love my farm.
0: What what happened? Like it seems to like w- what I didn't know. What what made me in- curious was that this this car accident when you, know, you got hit by a car. Oh yeah, I mean you were like already a kind of a a, a, a kind of opinionated. Uh, you know full-on personality no. kit, No, no.
1: Really? I was, uh, I was a shining example of everything.
0: Oh, really? Good girl.
1: Yes, I was a real good girl. Uh-huh. hmm
0: Up until the accident.
1: Yeah, then I changed.
0: So you got hit by a car.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How the, how the fuck did that happen?
1: I was crossing the street, and uh, this woman hit me. Uh, the street to our school was at the top of the hill, so the sun just blinded her, you know? Yeah. And she didn't see me. And she ran over me, and the hood ornament went in my head. Oh, my God. She dragged me. They said, 30 feet. My legs were like hamburger meat.
0: So you broke your- I think
1: I would know if I hit somebody, and I'd step on the brake. But yeah. she kept on going for 30 feet more. Yards.
0: And she stopped 30 them. yards. She stopped.
1: I think somebody said, hey, hon, you've got somebody stuck on your hood. Their head is kind of- The a Jewish kid under the car. <laughs> I, I don't know if she ever saw it till- Oh, my God. You know, somebody pulled her So up. you broke your legs and your head? I didn't break my legs, but I, I, you know, my skin was gone. So yeah. I'd have skin grafts and stuff. And I had a, a head injury like, you know, football players get. Yeah, yeah. What do they call that? Traumatic head injury.
0: And, and... I had a
1: brain concussion and a skull fracture.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Something like that. And
0: and and when did you realize that you were different? Did someone have to tell you or did you No, know?
1: I always knew I was different. You mean that I had changed? Yeah, I was a me that was inside before.
0: Oh, it got unleashed.
1: Yeah, came out.
0: <laughs> Your real self manifested. One of them.
1: One of them. <laughs> it's kind of. It was like a, kind of a. Twelve-year-old. Uh huh. Yeah, it was. You know, so and it, and it was a boy. Oh yeah. So you know, it confused people.
0: Right. And and what what led to the institutionalization?
1: Telling people that I was a boy.
0: <laughs> really? Just com-
1: yeah, and other things.
0: Committing to it. Mm-hmm. Uh huh.
1: And then like designing my own clothing that people found distasteful.
0: <laughs> those were the those were the symptoms. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Failing school. Yeah. Just dropping out totally.
0: Yeah. Um. Is that when you had the first kid?
1: Oh no, I didn't have my kid till after the mental institution. Oh. I also didn't have any kids till I had hitchhiked cross country back and forth by myself. Then I had kids.
0: Do you look back on the, all the stuff that like, you know, happened immediately after the accident, after the institution as being because of your your brain injury or or you were did you find did you feel like you were fucked up?
1: I knew there were I knew I had parts. Yeah, I, I don't know if you call it fucked up, but I knew there were different parts of me inside. Right. Yeah, and I tried to mostly. I tried not to manifest them. All <laughs> the I men. tried to pass. That's right. what we say in in, sure. in in my in the language of people who have dissociative identity disorder. We, oh, really? We try to pass as singletons. Right. So it's like anybody else that's kind of closeted. You, you just. Uh, not kind of closet, but closet. You just try to get along, to sure. get along, to go along. And right. You, you, like, notice people so you can copy what they do so they won't know that you're fucking out there. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. as soon as they find that out, you do get thrown in the mental institution. They do experiments on you, and they, they take parts of your brains out, and they yeah. fucking do all that shit, and they shock you. Right. And they, you know. yeah. You know, they throw you, whatever they want to do, and I've seen it all, I I saw every bit of it. When you were in the hospital? What happens to mental patients, yeah, in this country. It's horrible. It is horrible.
0: So after- So I
1: I had to live there almost for a year with people that sometimes run, get a pair of scissors and run after you. Oh my God. And try to stab you in the neck.
0: That was the doctors.
1: No, the doctors (laughs) just drug you because they're getting paid to- give drugs to people, yes, you know. I remember the worst time in the mental institution was when my teacher this was the height of freakish. Yeah. Well, this is just one of them.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't even know why I should say this. I remember I was elected class president and the teacher came in and said, "So and so shit in the sink. He went to the bathroom in the sink yeah. and you're class president, so you have to clean it." What? That's with the class president. I said, "Why did you shit in that sink?" To the teacher? No, to the kid oh. who shit in the sink. <laughs> yeah. And they said, we don't, you don't talk abusive to him. It was like the height of crazy like. Right. I go, it's not abusive to tell somebody, ask somebody why they shit in the sink. I go, well, I want to know why you shit in the sink. Yeah. You tell me. Yeah. And he goes, so you'd have to clean it. I go, you dirty motherfucker. And then they put you in uh,
0: Detention. isolation. Yeah.
1: And I got put in isolation with a serial killer. I didn't know it. Like, this was an interesting Oh, this one. was at
0: the hospital?
1: Yeah, this okay. big, fat Marge. I thought you were
0: talking about school, and I'm like, what happened? Well,
1: that is where I went to school.
0: At the hospital? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: So I went in there, Marge, she's a big, fat lady, yeah. and uh, she kept on luring me, I guess grooming me, Yeah. and I was a people pleaser, a nice, yeah. you know, I want to be a nice, help people girl. Yeah. She's like, you know, I'm going to tell you a secret. And she like it went over days, and she like captured my mind. So I did what she said was, I said I didn't want to go to dinner, and I stayed Mm. on the ward. And I snuck in the office and got the key and went and unlocked her cage, and I went in there with her, and uh, you know, just sitting and talking to her. And about four minutes into it, I realized why I was in the cage with her. Uh. and I had to fucking fat mouth my way. Out of that one for about twenty minutes, and it was terrifying. But I did it. Yeah. So I was like, Jesus, you know, that's where I got my gift of gab.
0: <laughs> that was the first show, yeah, the but, first uh, stand-up show.
1: Yeah, but I don't know.
0: When you got out, that's when you left home and kind of went out on your own, right?
1: Well, I, yeah, I got out. Then I moved to up in the mountains in Georgetown, Colorado.
0: Just at it, like, what what compelled you?
1: I got pregnant in a yeah. mental institution.
0: In the institution,
1: uh-huh. and, uh huh,
0: and was well, it right a when consensual I got out, situation?
1: Right when I got out, some parts of me were consensual, uh huh, but others weren't. Yeah, So I don't know what you do about that, you know. Right, I had a baby, I gave her up for adoption, and I met a girl there and went to live with her on a commune in Colorado.
0: This is like nineteen seventy, so that was like mm-hmm. a, a thing. seventy-two. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how was that?
1: How was what?
0: Living on a commune.
1: Fucking awesome. Yeah. We had a rock and roll band upstairs. Oh yeah. We worked in the kitchen and washed dishes and stuff and I had a boyfriend. I got to go live with him half the time. It was all hippie heaven.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was cool. Did your family know where you were or you just didn't you just checked out?
1: No, they came and visit us. Yeah. They were really cool. I remember my dad talking to all my freak friends and asking <laughs> why they hated the government and shit. Right, you
0: know? right. They
1: were, they were cool.
0: And how'd you make your way down into, uh, where, where'd you end up, like in Denver? To, where yeah, you...
1: first I got married to uh, some guy. And, uh, no, I'm kidding. And we had three kids, and we, uh, we moved down to the city. What'd he do? He worked for the post office.
0: Was he an all right guy?
1: He's an awesome guy. That's good. He's a great dad, awesome grandpa great person
0: that's great yeah so and then what when you started Still
1: a good good friend
0: yeah mm-hmm. and you get on with the, all the kids who your kids you do you get along well with we all have your... three
1: kids together yeah
0: and you have a good relationship with everybody
1: with all my kids oh, yeah oh hells yeah that's I got, great that's yeah i got yeah so got six grandkids oh my god yeah
0: and they do they all come down to hawaii well
1: and hang out some of them live in hawaii oh that's great yeah, I have a farm there.
0: I know. yeah. I made
1: a conscious decision quite a while ago to want to farm first yeah. time because I just love it. Yeah. And, and so it's I in went to jeans. Hawaii. Yeah, it's totally in my genes. It totally is. I feel it like that soil. Woo, I can feel that going way, way back.
0: Yeah. you know, It's beautiful down mm-hmm. there, too. Mm-hmm. Get a little peace of mind.
1: I can write there because yeah. they're quiet. Yeah. It's quiet, you know.
0: Yeah, and the man you're with seems like a sweet guy.
1: He's pretty sweet, yeah. He's a, he's an old grump. Yeah. He just turned 67. Christ, he's really grumpy.
0: Is he still playing sax?
1: Oh, he plays six instruments, so I have so much beautiful music in my life. That's sweet. You know? Yeah. He's a great musician.
0: So when did you start doing the stand-up in Denver? What what compelled you? Did you see somebody do it? Were you a fan?
1: I was a cocktail waitress. yeah and uh yeah i always wanted to do it because my dad he wanted to be a comic oh yeah so my dad was always we he'd always tell me about all the comics you know he'd be like this guy this this do you guy. remember who oh yeah everybody
0: oh yeah he just loved comedy. jackie
1: leonard well here's what he's jackie doing leonard and he had the, he's like look how ingenious mm-hmm. this guy is with just the click you don't even see oh the, jackie vernon
0: jackie vernon i love yeah. jackie vernon and there
1: was jackie sheldon too
0: yeah and like Jackie, everybody was Jackie. Jackie. Lenny, Jackie Leonard, right? Everyone took the name because someone got successful with it.
1: I was going to say about the the comedy store in the in the big room. We were talking about being special nights. Uh-huh. I saw Jack, the greatest comic I've ever seen, uh, Jackie Diamond. Did you ever see Jackie? Michael Diamond?
0: Rosenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Michael yeah. Rosenberg. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 I went bowling with Sammy Davis Jr. He patted him on the back His glass eye popped out of his head, rolled down the alley, picked up the spare. <laughs> I remember that kid. I did a special with him when he he was from Newton, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and he did that character. And we both auditioned for something. Then he came. Out. He I think he became Orthodox Jew.
1: He did. Yeah. He moved to Israel. He married a. They had kids and they went to South America. Yeah. But he wrote, He was just beyond a genius, and he used to do the Jerry. He used to do a fake Jerry Lewis telethon yeah, at, yeah, on yeah. stage right. in the big room.
0: Right you loved it.
1: it it was it was amazing comedy oh that's great it was beyond anything it, like right now if he was on it that black night it'd be like that'd be it, yeah it'd con- be that
0: exciting yeah it'd yeah. be
1: that level of comedy but it, at that point people were like not what getting it what the fuck what it like it's he, like can- when did he smash the watermelon right <laughs> but I saw Sam Kennison. Yeah. I saw Harry Basil and Sam Kennison and Jackie Diamond fucking go off on each other on stage in the big room. Yeah, and I was like, "This is never. This is oh. so legendary." Oh,
0: it used to get crazy there all the fucking time. It was just crazy there.
1: Do You think they were really doing them devil worship things over there, Sam Kennison and them no. worshiping the devil? In the I back? lived in.
0: Well, I lived in Crest Hill. You know, Was for they a year. doing devil worship? No, out there was a lot of coke. Oh. <laughs> I think, I think that, you know, the mythology of the store and the weirdness and the hauntedness, I I don't think it's beyond Sam to, not unlike some, you know, hippie shit to try something, but I don't yeah. think he was, like, I think he really believed in Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, his- He definitely did. Yeah. His plan was, I'm going to be the worst motherfucker I can be, and at the last minute, I'll apologize and I'll get in.
1: Yeah. I, I really Pushing think Pushing the limits like right. comics do, right? That's right. I think so. We're made different, ain't we? Yeah, thank God, or whoever...
0: I mean, like the the beautiful thing that I realize as I get older is that you know we can just go. Me and you can just hang out here and have we know we know what the deal is. Yeah. And you know I can go to the comedy store and just like right away you're talking to brilliant people, funny people, people who think about shit. People and, are on
1: your same uh, right. wavelength. And yeah. the, and
0: you and you live a different life. Yeah, The, you the, do. the fact that we 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 have to like it, the the funny thing about comedy is that like we have to entertain not because you did one of the greatest sort of like you know socially aware you know, radical shows for years for for regular people. And we live completely fucking weirdo lives. Yeah. It's sort of, but you know, you did your time. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you definitely had the responsibilities of somebody that, you know, struggled. You had kids, you had a husband, you had, you know, you lived that life. You saw what it looked like. I don't think I ever lived that life, really. I've been a comic since I was 20. I live like a fucking gypsy.
1: Well, you don't have any kids, right? I or did. I
0: managed to get out without See, kids. See, that's why. I, yeah i used to be sad about it i'm not so sad about mm-hmm. it anymore
1: right well, i right tell my kids yeah i said whatever you do when you grow up don't have any children of your own it'll just ruin your life trust me <laughs> but uh but you love those
0: grandkids right i sure do uh-huh. but
1: i got uh, how many kids do i got i got two sons and um yeah both my sons they don't have any kids but all three of my daughters they have kids
0: when you started doing comedy What was it like? Because I know you know there's-
1: I hope my sons don't get anybody pregnant because I don't want them being with any bitch. I know that's like, I just, I do think that's a feminist issue and they won't let me say shit like that. What? I don't want my sons getting with any hoes or any bitches.
0: That ruin them, that hurt them, that take advantage of them.
1: Yeah, because they're going to come against me. And so that is a feminist issue when I have to bust some bitch down. Yeah. See what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I do see what you're saying because you know both sides of it.
1: I you know sure righteous do.
0: feminism, and you
1: know how women can be horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know the scam they're working. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get with my sons. I found one though. Yeah. I'm not going to say. I okay. can't jinx it. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking for these nice girls to force my sons to marry. <laughs> yeah. I've always been doing <laughs> it, but you got to work it right. Yeah. You see. Yeah. They got to have that ass.
0: <laughs> That, yeah, the ass is important.
1: That's all that matters. <laughs> and so you got to get a smart one that'll do what you say, and yeah. they got to have an ass. That's a lot of things to find <laughs> yeah. together in one package.
0: Well, maybe, uh, maybe the outreach will work here on the show. I hope so.
1: It would be a woman who would have respect for me and want to help me grow my family, mm-hmm. not her bitch-ass family. Right. And we would help her family, of course. Yeah. But she's not going to come in there and start fucking treating my son like shit. I won't have it.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, no, there, there, there's some hurtful people out there.
1: Women are every bit as horrible and abusive as men are. Nobody says that, but they do. Yeah. And yeah. mental abuse and shit that yeah. men have to go. No, well, I know why men hate us. Yeah. I do.
0: <laughs> because of that.
1: Because we're just terrible fucking people. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we are. Men are too, but Jesus. Thank yeah. God we won't have to be here much longer to fucking work on this shit, right? Really,
0: you think it's over?
1: Well, you know, I'm coming on sixty four. Yeah, I mean, oh, sooner oh. or later. Plus, I don't think the world's going to last that long. Seriously,
0: I don't. I don't. I think the world would be fine. I don't know if people will last that long. Yeah, that's uh-huh, but... <laughs> the world would be like. Oh, thank God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now we can breathe. <laughs> now we can grow. And... Exactly. But like, because I want to know about
0: a bit about the uh, the sort of the what comedy looked like when you started. Like, wh- where would you go up first?
1: Well, I was kind of doing comedy in this woman's collective that I was part of. Uh huh. It was during an interesting political time in, in Denver? Denver. There, yeah, yeah. And I was also a cocktail waitress mm-hmm. at that same time. I had like all these different lives, and I was a housewife. Yeah and a mom you know so i had a lot of things and you were and
0: you were still holding back uh as many of the different years as you could
1: yeah trying to trying to just stay straight you know
0: because like did you feel that like like with me when i started doing stand-up it was like you know it was something that you could truly call your own you could say whatever the fuck you wanted it was your fucking space and you knew exactly what needed to be done Mm -hmm. up there
1: yeah exactly right yeah exactly
0: and you could like i got into it i'm like I, that's how i want to find myself i don't know if i want to be an entertainer but i want to find some space
1: absolutely <laughs> you want to find a voice right yeah, Right. exactly it's voice for sure
0: it how it must have felt great like when he first started doing it she had it? my
1: first uh, night on stage and i i written i had written my five minutes it took a year yeah and uh First time on stage, oh, I just killed, and I got I got hooked, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, first one's free, kid. Yeah, right,
0: exactly. So
1: then I was talking to the other comics backstage, and they were like, "Hey, you ought to do this and do that." See, I should have knew right then. Yeah. So I start going, yeah, okay. And right. the second time I came back, I did what
0: they told you. Yeah,
1: which was, you know, you got to sell that line harder. You know, it was yeah. all the wrong shit.
0: Just be- and I
1: got booed. Oh. And then I just tried to chase that first one for-
0: And you four, got it back. 30 years. Yeah. And you got it. You you you, you nailed it pretty good.
1: Um, I did have a wonderful, man, you know, because I've done four HBO specials. Yeah, yeah. But this writing new stuff at this age, that took a long time, you know. You get a little bit of a- mm. Walk well,
0: well, you're. But also, you've evolved as a person. So, yeah. you know what you know. So you how are
1: you going to make that funny? Exactly, right? right? It's hard.
0: Yeah, when you're in a different place and you feel good about some things and worse about others, that you know, you, you know, you have a voice. You want you have opinions that you want to try to figure out, but everyone knows you as you know whatever you were. And God forbid you feel good about yourself. Yeah, how the fuck are you going to do comedy?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is that definitely right yeah i did do one act uh that uh i took to uh new york to have people see you know yeah. if they were going to put me on broadway with the shit and oh all right well.
0: like a one person show kind yeah. of yeah
1: and they were like you gotta do it in a church because <laughs> i did talk about god a lot and stuff and
0: where'd you, you know, come out on that they
1: didn't find it humorous oh
0: really yeah what was the what was the arc of it just well to- uh,
1: you know my my prayers and what i ask.
0: Oh, you know, go oh, yeah.
1: for because I did try to repent. You know, one time because I I don't want to burn in hell fire for all of eternity. I yeah, just, but why
0: would you? You're a Jew.
1: I don't know. All right, they'll figure out a fucking way, <laughs> motherfuckers, <laughs> anti-Semite. But anyway, uh, I think the devil's an anti-Semite. Uh-huh. Um,
0: or a Jew. No. Okay.
1: No fucking way. All right. No. Okay. So I'm talking to God, and um, I'm just going. Oh, I gotta. Uh, reboot you know uh-huh. so I go to my rabbi yeah. and this is true yeah. too yeah. I, I go um, should I just I I think maybe I should start a foundation I started talking that Hollywood shit yeah. I give him, you know set up a scholar blah blah uh-huh. he, here's my rabbi he was the greatest person I ever met he goes that's all well and good but I think maybe yeah. instead you should learn to be nice <laughs> <laughs> And I, I talk about how that was a walk through hell. I thought it was going to be easy, but it was actually like a walk through fucking hellfire where my nice. I had to give up, you know, my soul was on fire. You had to fucking hold back what I really want to say. Yeah. You know you're a comic. I know, I
0: know. You're
1: I, out there fucking being nice. I mean, I couldn't even do comedy. But so like, I was doing it in that form, you know.
0: Yeah, but like being nice offstage, like... Like you know, I've I you know I I was very defensive and very insecure and very angry for a long time and preemptively hostile, you know, because you think automatically think someone's fucking with you. Well, they
1: are. (laughs) See, this is what I realized after my, after my walk through the fire, dark night of the soul. There, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm not a nice fucking person. (laughs) That's when I got. That's when I got enlightened. I go, hey, wait a minute, this ain't. I'm not a nice fucking person.
0: And you're okay with that? I'm a comic. Yeah. Yeah, but but not like because I can feel a certain thing right now. I think that the people that know you and they they see you in a real way, you know, you're nice to.
1: Yeah, I try to be nice. I try to leave a small negative carbon footprint with people. <laughs> right,
0: but, but on the bigger comedy, level, you got to protect yourself.
1: Well, no, nah, I don't even no. get around. I don't. No, I only it's not stay even around that. my family. I can't take it. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, in comedy, uh-huh. you know, you got to somebody's got to be getting smacked or it ain't funny. That's true right
0: yeah and usually it, it, it's better if it's you
1: yeah it is better if it's you yeah but if it's you it's everybody right yeah yeah it's, it's just, so it's, specific that's, that the, it's balance. Universal. that's yeah. the
0: balance that's the balance because well yeah i think that was what was amazing about the sort of anger of your original manifestation of that mm-hmm. character you know was that you, you know it was something everybody felt you had your own insecurities but you know you were empowered in you know in how you saw the fucking world
1: i wanted to just go let's wait a minute now
0: yeah but you were an underdog as well yeah. just naturally in the way of the you know in the of your situation in life that you were depicting.
1: Well, I was always the under we were always the underdog my family. Yeah. And uh you know going in, being a woman you're always the underdog.
0: Yeah. Who were you working with when you started that you liked comic wise? Any of those Denver guys? You mean guys? when I went before the you, Denver guys. Yeah. Oh,
1: everybody. All the Denver guys were frigging great. Yeah. I mean, we all grew together over three or four years. We worked with Sinbad too, and Sinbad was a blast to work with. He's
0: a great guy. I had him in here. Great, great guy.
1: He he can go on forever. it's funny. Um, yeah. Just off the top of his-
0: yeah, he was a guy. He was from Denver.
1: No, he came to Denver. We. We would bring in comics from, yeah. you know, we'd all watch them and learn from them. Willie yeah, yeah. Anderson, of course. Yeah. He was one of the first headliners who ever saw. He blew our mind when he came to Denver. He was, he
0: was just in here. He's beautiful. Beautiful. Isn't he? Great comic.
1: Christ, he's great on that basket show yeah, as a mom. He? Yeah. <gasps> I, just, I think, I hope he wins an Emmy for it.
0: That'd be sweet, right?
1: He's just great as that as that. You character. toured with
0: him like in the late 80s, didn't Have you? you? I remember because I, I was in Albuquerque after I uh, lost my mind on drugs. I went well, back home. You,
1: why'd you lose your mind on drugs? Well, That's hanging, what I heard about you.
0: Yeah, I was hanging out with the, yeah, I wrote about it. And yeah, I, I've talked about it before. I was hanging out with Sam. I was up at Crest Hill and they oh, would come yeah. up there and party for days and days. And I was doing a lot of blow and I was like, I, I got psychosis. Uh-huh. I like I started to think I was living in uh, uh, some sort of evil conspiracy, which I might have been. Yeah. And that I was sort of waiting for instructions from voices that I was hearing. It got pretty, you know, it was good. I went out there and I and I had to leave. You know, I finally, like a voice said, you gotta get the fuck out of here. And and Sam and I had had some falling out. He was a little bit of a bully. And uh, that's an understatement. So I just, yeah. I freaked out. I left, I was just a, you know, unpaid regular belly room comic door guy. And I went back home and I got clean. And uh, I was at home in Albuquerque, just lost trying to get the fucking psychosis out. And you and Louie were uh, were playing. And I remember because I knew Louie, I didn't know you, but I knew him from the store. And I went over there to to, to see you guys. I, I remember where you were staying or whatever. But I went to the hotel, and you know, I, I said hi, but I didn't I didn't go to the show. But it was weird. I don't remember what surrounded it, but I just wanted to you know, feel like I'd done something at the store. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. like, do you remember me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm still I'm alive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how long you been sober now
0: almost 17 years
1: shit what but do you I, think better or worse
0: i'm good you know i drink a lot of coffee i have my mm-hmm. nicotine lozenges you know i, mm-hmm. I, I you know I, I i'm okay i'm better a lot better i got myself back that's good you know because like a lot of that stuff you're just avoiding your shit yeah,
1: yeah. you can't avoid it no, it gets you it'll do something it's yeah, either yeah.
0: going to be malignant or it's going to be positive that's
1: right absolutely
0: so what was you when you got to hollywood how'd that work with mitzi you just auditioned for mitzi
1: yeah uh yeah
0: what made you come to hollywood
1: it was sam sam's the one that Kennison. yeah
0: he saw you in denver
1: yeah we worked together in colorado springs and he's like you gotta come out there mitzi he was like the fifth guy who said it too for you know louis said it all the time alan Stevens said it all the time alan my friends yeah i love alan
0: yeah he was in here he's just
1: love him (laughs) and uh, he's a tough guy yeah he's the mr. new jersey but uh um, but that was before sam was the
0: star though he was just working right
1: he was the star in the clubs right yeah he he didn't go he didn't do the rodney rodney movie or the rodney show yet yet. because young comedians is where we all went to the next level right 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 right. then he got he was in the movie
0: did you love him when you saw him first sam
1: oh fuck yeah there's nothing that good ever um, I never saw Bill Hicks though. Yeah. Till later. Right. And I think if I, I would have seen Bill Hicks and. First. I mean, there they were working together in Texas.
0: Bill was Kennison a kid.
1: and Hicks. Yeah, Bill was a kid. I, I wish I would have seen that because I have to say they're both great. But man, Hicks has five more levels. He's
0: Highbrow. Leg Whoa. Elevated, yeah.
1: But Sam was great. And when I yeah. first time there in Colorado Springs, um, he was approaching Lenny Bruce material he was it was phenomenal
0: like a different time zone you're like what's happening
1: and me and him hooked into a friendship then you know and he insisted to uh when he came up on stage after i opened for him you know he said that that's the that's the real queen of comedy uh fuck joan rivers which yeah i mean that was something to hear
0: sure yeah Yeah, Beautiful.
1: me and my sister and
0: and he told you to come out.
1: And everybody was like, "Jesus, that guy!" You know. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: It's like a fucking tornado hit the place.
1: Yeah. So all my friends and my comedian friends—they come out and audition for, for Mitzi. And so I did. I, <laughs> I came out and um, I did five minutes in the, uh, low room. Yeah. What do you call that? Downstairs. No. Upstairs? no downstairs.
0: Room? Oh, original room. Original room. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And, and she came up after I came off stage, she goes, go do 20 in the big room. And all the waitresses said that never had happened before. Just go from five minutes there to right. 20 there.
0: And she walked down there to watch you.
1: Yeah. And uh, George Slaughter was there and he was doing this show Funny and it was featuring funny women uh-huh. of the comedy store. Yeah. And he was there in the main room. And so after I came off, this is one night, came off the stage, he approached me and said, you come back and film Funny. And uh so I said, Okay and it was so phenomenal and I, I think Mitzi and George and then I went home to get my kids together and came back out three weeks later and during the uh rehearsal for funny when uh you know in the in the main room.
0: Yeah. Uh
1: Macaulay was there. From Jim the McCauley. Yeah. And he came up and he gave me his card and he goes, I re- Roseanne, I, I love you and uh, you know, Come to this so connection. i go move thanks move because you know i thought it was just a <laughs> guy and then he hand me this uh card and yeah. it's fucking Jim McCall, and i, I go, look for my sister she was there too and i go get over here yeah. and then we just were running in the street in sunset screaming he goes i'm gonna put you on friday night holy shit and that was like all within a month
0: Never i went seen on the tonight like show
1: and they, they had julio on the show yeah and he hired me to open for his uh for him in 18 cities and uh there it was
0: all in a month yeah that's unbelievable yeah that was exciting as shit it's
1: exciting as shit
0: and you had the yeah you, know, you had the goods how much time did you have did you have like an hour or 15 just, minutes you have 15
1: <laughs> that's, that's all i had to do to warm him up for julio
0: and then like- That's what, all
1: the, that's all you could hold their attention, let's put it that way. Sure, when you're opening for a musical act. do right. they want to see me. Were,
0: were you, what were you doing on the road? Were you or at that time or were you-
1: I just was with Julio. Oh, really? That I, was I a, didn't really yet ever yet go did, on the road too much. To do stand-up. Till now. We're, now I'm going on a road trip for two weeks um, in September, all through Canada and coming St. Louis and some other- i don't know where
0: did you work at the store regularly after that
1: mitzi had a room the dunes in las vegas so yeah yeah, she did let me she let me have two two nights Uh in the in the uh big room you know and then she let me go to uh vegas once a month because then i could afford to bring my kids out and rent a house so you know i owe everything to mitzi shore like you do and like everyone does
0: did you like her i love her yeah
1: yeah love love her she's a genius a hundred years ahead of her time.
0: And all those dudes that you started with, those are hard dudes. Those are like, you know, real deal. Like like you know, Sam and Alan and like those Uh
1: they're comics. Yeah, they're real
0: comics, man. They're real
1: comics. Alan knows where all the bodies are buried. I know. I'm gonna interview him and make him tell the stories. (laughs) Are you Oh my god, have you heard his stories? Oh my god. And I was there for a lot of them too.
0: Did you get along with Sam all the way through?
1: Mm, He turns on you after a while. Right. He's, he was kind of bipolar. Yeah. If he yeah. liked you one day, then he didn't like you. Yeah. But and be, all comics are like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't like him. When he was ready to be nice to me, I was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and then when I was ready to be nice, he was like, <laughs> fuck off and stuff. Yeah. That's how it is. It is. That's why if you have any friendships over the years, you're real lucky because we're so all fucking bipolar.
0: It's true. Yeah. All right? Yeah. But even if you don't see people for a while, if you're a comic, it's all right. You're yeah, like, you're, you're, you're
1: starting right where you yeah, were.
0: Sort of like, yeah. Got any jokes
1: lot. about Trump? That's yeah, yeah. We, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't see somebody for 30 years.
0: Exactly. It's fun. So when did We this... all
1: live in our heads a lot, though, huh? A Solitary lot. Solitary people. Lot.
0: But I'm like, I'm okay with that. Me too. Like sometimes where people, I say like, you know, I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to go hang out somewhere. They're like, you go crazy. I'm like, I'm ready for that kind of crazy. I don't mind being alone. I can do nothing all day and like I'm occupied thinking yep. you know what i mean yeah, I making do. some food
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: that's enough
1: it is absolutely i don't
0: like I, the pressure especially now with so many eyes on you and everybody willing to tear you're ready to tear you apart mm-hmm. for anything you say it's like oh, it's fucking exhausting man it was hard before all this shit you know
1: well also in that old act i said uh, i realize that people who tell the truth Nobody fucking likes them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you yeah. realize that. Yeah. And the only time they like somebody who tells the truth is 500 years after they're dead and only if they are tortured horribly yeah. <laughs> yeah, before yeah. they died.
0: That's true. You're not invited to the party. It's like, yeah. no, she's just going to run the party.
1: Yeah. Like, well, mouth. we are a bummer.
0: I know. I, I, that's why I just try to, you know, not go to too many parties and be nice. I've gotten nicer. I don't know if it's going to help my comedy, but I feel like I've gotten nicer.
1: I liked when it all came together in my head and that was during the making of this movie where I could put everybody on the same bus, all the parts of me. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, we're pulling for good. In the documentary. Yeah, in the documentary and be like, uh, you know, the greatest feeling in the world is when you know you've helped a whole bunch of people. I mean, seriously, after you really focus in on what's important, that's such a great feeling and, uh. I did it for narcissistic reasons because, you know, it made me feel so great to be able to, you know, see people hear me tell the truth and get it. Yeah. And be passionate
0: about it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and really, yeah, it did show all your, as many as I could. Like I was, I thought it was a ballsy movie. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know if I was going to watch it because I got a screener. I don't know how much time, but I'm like, you know, I got to you know, Roseanne's coming over.
1: Yeah. You had to do it. (laughs) What's your favorite part?
0: um there's a couple of weird parts uh that like i like moments mm-hmm. that you know there there's yeah, your favorite moment well well there's a couple like right off the top of my head when you said we uh, will you help me fold the sheets and he said not right now and he went off just walked away playing horn and you're like okay <laughs> it was just a, it really defines your relationship like yeah you know? well just that you're like i want to fold the sheets now and he's like not now but he didn't really have anything else to do but play his sax, and I thought that was sweet. And you just walked back in and waited for him. But, yeah, uh,
1: you can't disrespect a musician when they're practicing. <laughs> I mean, you know, of course I have, but I've learned.
0: The other parts were like, you know, I, I like that you were, you know, really showed the personal sort of challenge of dealing with Jill Stein, mm-hmm. and you know, you're the sort of uh, the the. Uh, the part of you that's sort of like, do I want to be a team player or, mm-hmm. or, and honor that? Or do I want to just like find her annoying and not like her? Right. <laughs> that's a real struggle. It was, it was, I know. I could see it because like, you're like, if you really mean it, shouldn't you just be like, well, whatever the party needs, but you're like, fuck her. On some Right. Level. Yeah. No, I know. I get it. But you, I thought that was great. I also thought it was interesting. Um, you know when you switch parties and you found more support with the freakier people that weren't because there is a a level of organization in the green party that that is not that different than mainstream politics only it doesn't matter as much. yeah
1: they talk that same corporate shit
0: right but you know when you got into the peace and freedom you're like oh these are these people are really my people in a way yeah
1: they were yeah but you know they all got they all got people at the top that you know they're the gatekeepers Sure. They're not, not going to let the voice of the people come out, no matter what. They're, that's how they're getting their money. But, but
0: the weird thing about the voice of the people is that, like, it can come out, but now it's how it's framed. I mean, I think that, you know, you've, we've never lived in a better time to say shit. You're right. But it's like, what are they going to do with it? How mm-hmm. are they going to neuter it? How are they going to de- take it out of context and make it, you know, make me look bad? By like putting
1: it... the headline, we'd be lucky if Trump won. Yeah. But, you know, the fact of it is that, you know, I agreed to, uh, run as vice president if kent messplay who's jill stein's you know major uh contender there in the green party and they have their convention in august and uh if kent messplay gets the nomination over jill stein i i've agreed to run as his vice president so i never really left i'm always leveraging i'm sure. never going to give up on uh you know trying to build a uh third party for people
0: so you're you're actually uh, in a way learning how to be a politician from the ground up well
1: i want to affect their platform because they got a couple offensive things in their platform that'll keep them from winning and then they have a lot of really great things in their platform that should actually be in the democrat platform so I'm going to keep pushing it until things get better. I, I, I'm I one of a few people who knows how to do it, and I'm going to continue to do it.
0: It's a, it's a growth process, education yeah. process. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, and like I saw that in the movie that mm-hmm. you were sort of getting better at, you know, showing up, doing the speeches. You're working hard. Well, actually, you
1: know. the whole time during the making this movie, we didn't put any of this in there. But, uh, you know, I live in Hawaii, and I'm a farmer, you yeah. know, blah, blah. And there's a lot of interesting farming stuff going on there in Hawaii. And uh, we had a, we, f- we forced them to have citizens' panels and community meetings, which they're trying to get rid of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we kicked Monsanto's ass off of the big island of Hawaii. And, um, you know, I I wrote a lot of those speeches that helped kick Monsanto's ass out of there, and they knew that they couldn't come back from it. So I was um, working my narrative, and that is like as a comic, you know this. The narrative and the words and the power of words. There's nothing else. Sure. And I was really working it over there in Hawaii during the making uh-huh. of this movie. But um, yeah, we did kick Monsanto. They're banned out off the Big Island of Hawaii because oh, we want to grow decent food. Yeah. And food grows like you know
0: overnight there cows yeah
1: live in a pasture of food and so should people uh-huh food grows real easy yeah you don't have to have factory farm and all that shit you don't yeah. have to do it well that in fact, like a that's the opposite thing. of it yeah and then monsanto went and sued the state of hawaii because what's really at stake is they're trying to get rid of small government
0: and small farms
1: small government yeah they don't want that um, they don't want the people having a say Local in what power. they grow.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And it's all about that. Yeah. So, I mean, all these things still interest me, and people say, oh, you should run for something in Hawaii. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't know.
0: But you also want to do show business.
1: I like, yeah, and I got, uh, yeah. I got a lot. I got a lot of uh, options, and that's why I can't.
0: Right. Well, you well, you look back at, like, your the... The Roseanne Show, like in in the fights that you fought for that, and what what that made you know what how that changed show business. Do you have mostly pride about that?
1: I've told I've total pride about it.
0: Yeah,
1: because um, I worked really hard yeah. on it. Yeah, and to make the argument once again, this is why I like politics is yeah. because of the Roseanne Show. Right. To make the argument that it was m- me and I, I convinced. Uh, an entire gaggle of republican and conservative television executives yeah. that introducing gay characters during the family hour w- was actually a, a smart thing and a good thing to do and that was very hard and that took a toll on my on my nervous system you know but yeah. i but i did it and i i see it everywhere now you know and a lot of things too on you know women characters and such so yeah i feel like i had a lot of victories
0: sure did you meet sandra at the comedy store I, yeah,
1: uh huh, Sandra Bernhardt. Yeah.
0: And how did, how did Laurie Metcalf get the job in, that, in your show?
1: Laurie yeah. and John were in great Broadway plays and Carsey Warner wanted both of them and so they brought them in and they, we read together and that's how they got the jobs. They were great.
0: Laurie's amazing.
1: It, she's scary great.
0: She did uh, like the, the third, I think it's the third episode of uh, Horace and Pete, you know, Louie's show is all oh, Laurie Metcalf. It's like 25 minutes of her doing this monologue. I is,
1: never saw that.
0: Oh my god!
1: I gotta see that. Oh my
0: god! It's it's like it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Louis C.K. Yes, oh. he did a ten episode thing that you can get online called Horace and Pete. It's like a, it's okay. almost like a play.
1: I'll have to see it.
0: And and she did this thing. He he wrote her this this piece, and it's literally all her talking about like this struggle she's having with with you know, her sexual desire. I
1: heard that, yeah. I heard that with her with her father-in-law. Yeah, yeah it was fucking amazing.
0: It's crazy, man. Yeah. I'm getting chills.
1: <laughs> I was like, this is kind of odd subject, but Christ, she can make anything great.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, so yeah. can
1: John. I mean, oh, all the God. actors on that show were just great.
0: Yeah, he's amazing.
1: He's scary great, too. Me and him used to watch her and go, oh, look at that. And then me and her used to watch him and go, look at that.
0: Well that scene you showed in the in the in just that little piece in, in the documentary, because like working with him gave you so much room mm-hmm. to
1: be yourself. Yeah, he, he really like, the was the two a...
0: of you when you were doing that just that bit about, you know, getting the money, how do we save money? You know, what are you gonna that do? That was
1: from the pilot.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah, I think it was we so got raw. way deeper than that over yeah. the years. Oh yeah, of course. I mean we really Do you think We and- really became Dan and Roseanne on some level. We were all really our characters on some level when we'd work and john had this thing he'd always make up these circus games for us Uh and uh it was like you can't go out of the uh, if you walked off the set that was the forbidden zone and then we'd get in too much trouble (laughs) yeah we had these other games we played for ourselves and it's like she's going she's going into the forbidden zone (laughs) the lawyers are going to get her get her back here and stuff like that but uh, also, we pretended that we were in a circus sideshow.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: had so much fun.
0: Yeah. Do you t- you keep in touch with him?
1: I say hi to everybody. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do you feel like uh, over the years that you know you have any uh, enemies that that uh, that never never really uh, balanced out? Like, do you do you feel like there's people that you pissed off forever? Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shitloads of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, it's just the way it is, right? That's just
1: how it goes, yeah. Because yeah. you know, if you're gonna have an opinion and you know,
0: fight for what you want,
1: you want to own your own work. Yeah, people are not gonna—they don't like you for that. That alone makes them hate your guts. Yeah, it's like what well, you're supposed to take ten percent of your work. Yeah. We get, we get the other.
0: Yeah, it's it's fucked up, show business sometimes. So yeah. what what would you like to be doing? A lot of great that...
1: comics dying broke every fucking day. It's
0: the fucking worst, We have Roseanne. to do
1: something about it.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to do. I what don't either? know either. Like some of them, that like they didn't plan, you know, it's like, you know, like we got lucky. I got lucky. I was about to be one of them before I started this fucking thing in here. Like you At did, did, least they
1: like, got to get on healthcare, Jesus. It's awful, and they're what, all old and shit. What, I don't know. What can you what do? What can we do? I don't know. I got to think about it.
0: Okay. What In show business-wise, you're going to tour, and what else? Do you got uh, TV ideas you really want to do?
1: I have like 100 ideas, and my problem is I got too many options and no focus, that's my problem.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have that.
1: And then I'm like, do I want to go to England? And so I got like, would I want to do something in England? A show? Yeah. Why not? Shit. Yeah, I would. Yeah. But then I'm like, oh, now what? You know? I got to be in England. Y- you can buy a castle about two hundred dollars over there now. <laughs> so I might go.
0: Get your castle. Well, I I love talking to you. It's great love to talking see you. to you. Thank great you great to so see much.
1: You. Thank you.
0: I love her. Almost unconditionally I uh, hope you enjoyed that You can always go To wtfpod.com Go to Wtfpod.com Slash tour I got dates coming up Phoenix coming up uh, August 20th uh, That's one night Two shows I'm going to be in Albuquerque On September 3rd At the Albuquerque Journal Theater And I'm be in Rochester in September I'm going to be in Uh going to be at the Wilbur, September 24th. That's in Boston, College Street Music Hall in New Haven, Connecticut, the 25th of September. I'll be at the Ridgefield Playhouse, October 13th. That's in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Troy Savings Bank Music Hall, Troy, New York, October 14th. The Carolina Theater, November 17th. In Durham, the Knight Theater in Charlotte, November 18th. I'll be at the James K. Polk Theater, November 19th. In Nashville, the Vic Theater, December 3rd. That's in Chicago. Great place, two shows, and more dates forthcoming. No guitar today, I'm in a hotel room. Boomer lives!